for a long time, I have enjoyed 2020 vision, both eyes. And to a certain degree, I do. And I said one time, a number of years ago, to some of my colleagues, I said, you know, I will never have one of those reading glasses. I mean, we'll never need them. I have 2020 vision. But somewhere, when I ran 47, 48, I got up one morning and I was sitting in my normal place and reading my Bible as I always do. And uh, I noticed that the reading lamp was not working as well. <laughs> and so I tried to adjust it, but it didn't work. And it's one of those, you know, three steps thing, one, two, three. And I said, well, it must be, it's not working on the third thing. And finally, I got up and got a new light bulb. I said, that's why I need a new light bulb. So I put a new light bulb in. Still was not working. And that's why I thought, well, I might be having some disease in my eye or something. And a week later, I was talking to a dear friend of mine as an eye doctor, and I said, you know, I need to come and see you. I think I'm developing some sort of a disease in my eye. He said, uh, no, don't waste your time. Just go to the drugstore and get the 1%, the lowest you can get, and start reading. I said, no, 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 I have 20-20 vision. He said, just listen to me. Do what I tell you. Now, that's very hard for me to do, but I did anyway and went ahead, and sure enough, I got one of those drugstore bought glasses and put them on, and it worked. I was reading, and it was like the light came on. I was reading much better. But I thought of that experience. I always will. I'll never forget it. The problem was not with my light bulb. It was not with my reading lamp. The problem was not with the electricity. And the problem was not with the size of the print of the Bible, which never changed. The problem all along was in the weakening muscles of my eyes due to age. And if the Apostle Paul is telling us one thing in Ephesians chapter 1, 15 to the end, he is telling us this. In fact, that's what he's trying to tell us in the whole epistle. He is telling us, please do not bark up the wrong tree. Do not try to spin your wheels looking for more light or looking for more power or looking for more resources or looking for more this and more that. Why? Because the truth is that you don't need more power. You don't need more blessings. You don't need more strength. You don't need more faith. You don't need more joy. You don't need more peace. You don't need more of anything. But rather, you have been given how many? The key verse upon which the foundational verse upon which the whole epistle of Ephesians is written is chapter 1, verse 3. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every blessing in the heavenly realm. And today we see the Apostle Paul continues in verses 15 to the end of the chapter. He continues to impress upon the Ephesians, to impress upon us the sufficiency of God's blessings in the heavenly realm. We have begun this series of messages entitled, Discover Your Treasure House, from the epistle of Paul to the Ephesians. And we saw in the last message the contents of that treasure house. And today, we're going to see the sufficiency of that treasure house. 
When Paul heard about the Ephesians' faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when he heard about the evidence of their faith, that it was not just something emotional, it was not something fleeting, but this was a real faith in the real Lord Jesus Christ. As we would say today, when he heard that their faith was for real, he began to pray for them. He began to pray for them. How did he pray? What did he pray for? Listen, this is a vital part. I'm going to tell you something. Ephesians changed my life. And I pray to God that we'll do the same as we go through this magnificent epistle together. He began to pray for them. He said, I pray for you to get more strength. No. I pray for you to get more faith. No. I pray for you to get more power. No. I pray for you to get more joy. No. I pray for you to get more love. No. I pray for you to get more blessings. No. He prayed for them that they may know what they already have got. That they will know what they've got. Many years ago, I was with a dear friend of mine from Texas. And we were having a conversation. And he said to me, he said, you know, Michael... To tell you the truth, I have so many companies, so many holdings that I don't even know them. He said, I am going to sit down with my advisors one day and help me just to get my arms around all that I've got. (laughs) And in a spiritual sense, that's what Paul was praying for. He was praying that you and I be able to put our arms around what we've got, what we already have. That we would have wisdom and that we would have comprehension to know what we've got in Christ. Because we have been blessed with how many? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. And that is why it takes divine wisdom. It takes divine intervention to be able to comprehend all of which we have in Jesus Christ. You know, it breaks my heart in two when I see people in our culture, and we're spending billions on this stuff, billions and billions of dollars in the media and everywhere. People going around trying to know themselves. And they tell you to spend time and money and effort and energy just to know yourself. Know yourself. I don't want to know myself. I already know all I want to know about myself. I can tell you everything I know about myself in just two seconds. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. That's all you need to know. That's all I want to know. I was a nobody in heaven, but now I'm a child of the living king. The Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, that's all I need to know about myself. Period. What I really need, what I really need to know is how to live like it. Listen to me. For the past 43 years, I have been walking with the Lord, and I have been learning about every blessing that we have in Him. There are every blessing in the heavenly realms, and I tell you, I haven't even scratched the surface yet. Many Christians today are running around after every new and fangled idea that's coming down the pike. I'm telling you, it just literally, I I, I don't get frustrated, I just weep. I mean, we got so many people running around starting their own organizations and and fundraising and having their ministry. And it's all kinds of stuff that we don't need. Uh, You get them starting from organization that helps you to get into the deeper life and into the higher life and into the exchange life and into the special life, into the happy life, into the wacky life. I mean, we got them all. There's even a major movement among evangelicals and evangelical churches today that if it doesn't tear you apart before God when you pray, I don't know what will. These people are spending 
tens of thousands of dollars, and they have hundreds of thousands of followers to teach a heresy. They say that God is taking risks, and so should you. Give me a break. Give me a break, the omniscient God, the omnipotent God, the all-powerful God, the omnipresent God, the God who knows the future before the universe began, takes risks. Every time I think that, that the craziness has reached bottom, they surprise me with a new bottom. And Paul is saying that the Christian's primary need is none of that stuff. That the main need, that the only need is for believers to have wisdom and obedience to appropriate all of the blessings that they already have. Listen to me. My problem was not with the light. My problem was with my eyesight. Our problem as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, is not with lack of blessings, but our blessings are so vast that our human mind cannot put our arms around it. Our blessing is so beyond human comprehension to grasp. Only the Holy Spirit will be able to help us, give us wisdom and understanding to begin to comprehend the vastness of the blessings that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no heart has conceived, that which God has prepared for those who love Him. And that's not talking about heaven. That's talking about here and now. And heaven as well. Here's the problem. We don't want to live in that tension. That the kingdom of God is here and yet to come. That we are walking with Christ and His power here and yet to come. And that we don't want that. We either we got people running around in the evangelical world. We either got it all now, or we, the other group will say, no, no, we're going to get it all later. The Bible doesn't make that dichotomy. It's here and now, and yet to come. The blessings that God has for those who are in Christ Jesus can never be understood by the natural mind. It can never be understood by the natural mind. Did you get that? It can never be understood by the natural mind. We need the Holy Spirit of God to help us comprehend all of the blessings that we have in Jesus. So I have a question for you. Why is it of vital importance for you and me to be able to grasp this incredible blessings that God has given us? Why is it important? Why is it important? Answer. Because until we comprehend who we are in Jesus Christ, it is impossible for us to live a life of obedience. Did you get that? Until we begin to comprehend who we are in Jesus Christ, it is very difficult for us to live a life of obedience. Show me a believer in the Lord Jesus, but living in disobedience, and I'll show you a person who had not begun to grasp who he is or who she is in Jesus Christ. It is impossible to live a fulfilled life. It is impossible to live a joyful life. It is impossible to live a contented life until you began to grasp what Paul is praying for, for the Ephesians and for you and me to grasp. Let me tell you something. I want to challenge you. I want to urge you. that when you go home, read that prayer several times. Underline it in your Bible. And begin to pray that prayer every day for you, for your family, for your co-workers, 
and just begin to pray for members of the church. Begin to pray that prayer. It is a model prayer for every one of us to pray, not just for ourselves, but for others. The three things I want to tell you here very quickly about this prayer. He said, there are three things that I'm praying for. He said, first of all, I am praying that you will discover the privilege of God's calling on your life. That's verse 18. Secondly, he said, I'm going to pray that you'll discover the greatness of God's power that is working in you right now. Verses 19 to 20. And thirdly, he said, I'm praying that you might discover the permanence of God's glory in the church. Verses 21 to 23. The privilege of our calling. Do you know what the number one enemy for understanding and comprehending all of the blessings that we have in the heavenly realms of which Paul talks about in chapter 1 verse 3. Do you know what the number one enemy is? Now it's not Satan. It's not the flesh. No, no, no. It's not something evil even. It is something good and proper in its, in its own place, in its own context. Feelings. Feelings. Listen. Feelings are wonderful things. They're wonderful in the proper place. But when feelings replace thinking, when feeling replaces knowledge, when feeling replaces facts, when feelings replace the truth of the Word of God, when feelings replaces the mind, watch out. You're in trouble. I really do. I plead with you. Watch out. The Corinthian believers fell in this trap and they got into deep, deep trouble. Even some of them died because of this. But listen to me. When you allow your emotions to be controlled by the truth of the Word of God, you will be blessed. Why why am I saying this? Why is this so important? Because either your emotions will distort the truth every time, Or the truth will give you power to control your emotions. Emotions, they're very important. I am not saying they're not important. Get that, please. Emotions are very important. They are a powerhouse when they are in their rightful place. When they are enlightened by the truth of the Word of God. You hear people running around all the time. I just feel that way. I just feel this way. I feel that and I feel the other thing. That drives me nuts. I've got to confess to you. I feel it's just right. I feel it's right. What feeling got to do with it? If it's right, it's right. If it's wrong, it's wrong. Your feeling has nothing to do with it. My feeling has nothing to do with it. When you comprehend the truth about election and predestination and adoption and redemption and your inheritance in Christ and that God is the one who called you, that God is the one who loved you, that God is the one who wooed you, that God is the one who reached down to you, it will make a difference in your life. It will make a difference. If you wake up in the morning and you don't feel saved, who cares how you feel? (laughs) Excuse me, but I really mean that. You wake up in the morning, you just don't feel spiritual. So what? Do you think I wake up every morning feeling spiritual? Not on your life. Feeling has nothing to do with it. Paul said, I pray that you will discover this truth and meditate upon it. Secondly, 
that you may discover the power of God working in us. Yeah, it's amazing. There are several words, Greek words for power. They use throughout the scripture. But he chooses here the Greek word dunamos, from which we get the word dynamite, which is the highest of all. Look at verse 19. The surpassing greatness of his dynamite power toward us who believe. Now, you notice he did not say that this power will be given to the believers installments. But I want you to hear me out on this one. You cannot get any more power than you already have. What you need is awareness of that power that God has given you. What you need is consciousness of that power that God has given you. What you need is a comprehending of that power that God has given you. What you need is an appropriating of that power that God has given you. That what you need is to claiming of that power that God already has given you. And appropriating it and using it. Jesus said to the disciples in chapter 1, verse 8, in the book of Acts, he said, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. Listen to me, believers. If you have committed your life to Jesus Christ, if he is the Savior of your soul and the Lord of your life, you have that power. You don't have to wait for it. You don't have to work for it. No, it's yours. But that's not all. He said that the very power that raised the Lord Jesus Christ from the death and seated him on the right hand of God in glory. It's the same power, not a picture of it, not a sample of it, not a part of it, not only a representation of it. He said that same power is the power that is working in you and working in me to raise us from the death of sin and put us right now, seating us in the heavenlies. Now, you may be sitting here today... You may be sitting here today, but do you know that you're also sitting in the heavenlies? God looks and sees you already in the heavenly places. If you are in Jesus Christ, if you're not in Jesus Christ, you need to come to him today. That's what Paul is saying. Listen to me very carefully, please. We are going to judge angels. We are going to judge nations. So start living like one. Start living like the one who belonged to the Lord Jesus Christ, not to this world. You say, but how do I do this? By appropriating that power that he's already given you and exercising it, not just day by day, but moment by moment. Appropriating it in your witness for Jesus Christ. Appropriating it in your testimony. Appropriating it in your touching of the lives of others. That power is already yours. The problem with so many people is that we reason we don't share Christ and we don't want to share Christ with others and we don't want to talk about our faith. It's because we think it's up to us to convert people. God is the only one who converts people. We are just to touch them where they are. We are to love them where they are. We are to reveal the power of Christ in our lives where they are. Thirdly, very quickly, he prays that we may discover the permanence of God's glory in the church. Question, where did God's power take Jesus? It took him to the place above the rulers and authorities and powers and dominions. Am I right? He didn't say that. He said, not just above, (laughs) but far above, far above all powers, 
and dominions and authority. Far, far, far above it. Psalm 110 predicted this about the Lord Jesus Christ 1,000 years before he came in the flesh. And the psalmist said, God has put all things under his feet, making them his footstool. Now, my friend, listen to me. That is something that can only be seen through spiritual eyes. Do you know why? Because as far as the world is concerned, Jesus was just a good man. Ah, but God has already placed him above, far above all things. As far as the world is concerned, Jesus was just a good teacher. Oh, but he is sitting on the rim of the universe in authority and power. The world thinks that Jesus is just a prophet. But God said that he sits in the place far above all power, all authority, all kingdoms. The world thinks that Jesus is just a nice role model for love and for self-sacrifice. But he is far above all powers, authorities, dominions, devils, angels, believers, his children, the church. He's above everything. That's where he is right now. And just because you can't see it with your physical eyes doesn't mean it's not happening. In fact, both the universe and the church have one thing in common. Jesus is the head. He is the head of the universe, in charge of it. He's the head of the church. He's in charge of it. In fact, without him, without Jesus, any church, call itself the church, would be nothing. Because he and he alone fills the church with power. He and he alone gives life. To the body. And that is why the churches that does not make Jesus and Jesus alone to be their focus, they are dead and done for, even if they have thousands of people in them. So let me challenge you to pray this prayer of Paul every day so that the power of Christ may be seen in you and me, that the power of Christ be revealed through us that the power of Christ be manifested by you and you. And you say, well, me, yes. That's what Paul said. He wants that power to be manifested. Ah, but just remember that the day is coming. The day is coming when every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess (laughs) that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.